Hello, and welcome to the MXU Worship Podcast hosted by Stephen Brewster. Each episode features great conversations between Stephen and all kinds of worship leaders, from the most prolific songwriters from prominent churches to folks you may have never heard of. Either way, we hope that these resources and conversations will encourage, equip, and empower you to be the best worship leader you can be. Make sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast, too, so you can stay up to date on all of our episodes and other resources. Tyler and Corey. <laughs> Hi, what's going on? How are we doing today? Doing great. We're a couple weeks past your record. How do you feel? Relieved. Yeah? Just happy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little sad. Yeah. Because like, what What do we do now? You know, we're in that, we just turn it all in. We, we, we had a baby. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? We're together or like, <laughs> is this, are we breaking, are we breaking news right now? Like, uh, no, we're not. Just in case anyone's asking, they mean the baby, the record baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, well, I, I'm so proud of you guys. And, uh, the record is, is awesome. And I love, I love that I get to kind of like travel around and, talk to different worship leaders all over the country. And when I do, they, they bring up the record and just the, how much it's meant to them and how much it's had an impact on them. And so, um, really, really very, very proud of you guys. Um, you guys are at Red Rocks church in Denver, Colorado and multi-campus church. How did you guys each get started in doing worship, like doing worship ministry? Like how did, that path find you uh for me it was i, I this is like a weird reality for me but i grew up kind of hating music um love 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 my parents but they uh they only listened to like what i would call butt rock <laughs> oh <laughs> it was like uh you know 15 years of like hey Everything yeah. that I liked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was just, I just didn't like music. I, I remember kind of being fascinated. I had horses. We had, kind of grew up on a farm. And so I just loved that kind of a life. And then I, uh, I went to a youth camp. And it was Assembly of God Youth Camp. And I was introduced to the presence of the Lord. And then like, it was just this crazy, like span of two seconds where I gave my heart to the Lord, got filled with the Holy spirit. And then my eyes caught the worship leader. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. That's so crazy. Wow. Um, so like as a almost 16 year old making that decision and I'm still doing it, you know? So yeah, uh, it was a pretty marking moment, but yeah, from, from, from the 60 moment, years that, later, you're still doing it, which yeah, is amazing. Just a swift 60, I'm still <laughs> doing it. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've loved music ever since that moment. Um, and it was like, you know, that moment happened and then I got obsessed with, uh, at the time it was like Brooke Fraser's solo stuff. Mm -hmm. um, her, her more artistic kind of like poetic stuff that like really pulled me in. Um and I've just been loving the church ever since. So do you have a favorite butt rock song? Uh, I honestly, like for real, this is going to pain this guy. <laughs> if we could go back and like just nullify a piece of human 
art, it would be that genre. I would just be like, get on out of here. Wow. You're I animate. Know, that's really, really intense. That's really intense, but man. I can't tell you it's like sandpaper on my skin. It's so bad. I, I get there's probably more emotions tied to it than actual disdain for it, but capital T trauma in one genre, you know? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that horse. Like literally riding your horse and just being very upset with your parents. Yeah. I'll keep it at that one. <laughs> now Tyler tell us about you how did you yeah well I loved butt rock um I don't know <laughs> we gotta call it something else like I was so into Creed oh my gosh man it's the truth I was so did you, you know, like Creed more or Nickelback more no see I I didn't love Nickelback <laughs> you even answered you said nah. <laughs> nah. no no me and Corey, we always joke. I don't know. Fire and water is what we call ourselves sometimes. And it, it shows because anything that's considered fire is, uh, and anything that like, like that he would listen to just on an, uh, an off day, I don't know that I would probably listen to it, to be really honest. So it's beautiful. It <laughs> works. Well, it's diverse. Um, anyways, I got into church music. You know, my dad played drums um, at the church and I would follow him around. And then, um, really took the liking to the guitar, the electric guitar to be exact. And I thought I was going to be Mark Tremonti from Creed. Whoa. So that's true. I had like, I was wow. like trying to grow the soul patch and everything. It was so cool. Still kind of got it. Ah, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so, but I was just really like just a guitar player at church. And, and then there was this marking moment. I, I remember I had just turned 16 years old. Um, I played at our youth group on Wednesday nights. And so on Tuesday, I was at um, at school. My pastor, Pam Kinnear, she reached out to me and she was like, hey, we have a mandatory meeting tonight at my house with the whole worship team. I was like, oh, no, that doesn't happen. So someone's in trouble. Um, right. And sure enough, I'll leave it at that. Someone was in trouble. And um, but it was it happened to be our worship leader at the time. And they were they were no longer going to be leading us anymore. And so anyways, I just remember sitting down in her basement right there. I remember exactly where I was sitting and the whole team was there and everybody else on the team. You know, I was 16. Everybody else was in what we call master's commission. So it was a Bible college, you know, 20s um, age. And the question was, well, who's going to lead worship tomorrow night? We have church tomorrow night and everybody. It was like this unanimous thing. It's like they had gotten together and talked beforehand. They all turn their heads and they look at me and I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You never even heard, you've never even heard me, you know, sing like I've never sang before. And uh, Pastor Pam said, you're doing it. You're doing it. And so with all the tears in my eyes, I said, oh my gosh, I got up there the next night and it was so bad. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> no one, no one grew closer to the Lord that night. They, they honestly were like, maybe we shouldn't come back. <laughs> Um, but that was a long time ago and, um, somehow, some way the Lord has just been refining and he's had to do a lot of work with me. Um, but that's kind of how I got started. So let's talk about that work a little bit. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people who listen to our podcast who are not at a church, the size and stature of a Red Rocks. And so, um, there's a lot of people who are probably at the church that, you would have been at if you were there today and been leading this Wednesday night or Corey, where you saw that worship leader for the first time, how would you encourage somebody who is um, 
they're where they're at today, but they're not, they, they have the aspiration for more. Mm. Man, that's so good. Um, I can speak to that. I'd love to hear what you have to say too, but literally I was in, I was at that spot. Um, you know, the home church that I grew up in, that's the church that first hired me. And I'm so grateful for pastor Randy Hopkins giving me an opportunity. I was a young kid. I did not deserve that opportunity and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but there came a point where I was like, I really wanted, I really wanted more. I wanted something different. Um, I really wanted to be a Red Rocks, to be honest. Um, and so you can't, for me, it was like, well, I can't just go ask for that because every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. So if the Lord's not giving it to me, then it's not mine. Um, and so I remember literally <laughs> every day um, pacing back and forth in the purple pews and the purple carpet there at the church and just asking the Lord, like, God, you have me here. So um, would you meet with me and would you help me be content and would you show me what the next step is? But God, also, I want to be honest. I feel a stirring in my heart um, to do something different, um, to go somewhere different, um, to lead more and to to do that, you know. Um, and so but I don't want it if you don't give it to me. And, and it took me a minute to get there. Um, but at first, what I did was, if I'm honest, I had these moments where I would be praying and I'd be like, yeah, God, whatever you want. And then I would go home and to my wife, I would be like, yo, this is this is crazy. Like, I don't, I don't want this. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then for real. And then I became what, what really happened was the truth came out and I was entitled and ungrateful. But whenever mm -hmm. whenever I got to a place, thank you, Jesus, where he kind of like wrestled with me enough to teach me like, hey, be grateful and be content. You can seek me and you can ask for anything. But whatever I have for you, I'm going to give to you. Whenever I got to that point, I'm not even kidding. I mean, we're talking, we're talking months and months and months. And then out of nowhere, um, at the time, my mentor, Todd Ballard, who helped start Red Rocks Church, he gave me a call. He's like, hey, I need you to come out here in two weeks and audition. And we hadn't talked in months. So he had no idea what I was thinking or feeling. All that said, to someone who's in, that, in those shoes right now, man, I would just encourage you like, your job, your status, your next step, it is not going to be found in um, someone giving it to you. It's going to be found in the Lord giving it to you. And therefore, what you got to do is you got to truly humble yourself, truly be like, okay, God, what do you have for me today? And I trust you with tomorrow. Um, it really took me getting to that place. And then when that, when that does happen, I don't know if someone's just going to call you out of the blue. I don't know. But I do know that the Lord will direct those steps and he'll direct your path. So good. Corey, would you add anything? Man, I, there's a, there's this like, <clears throat> it has to be seven, eight, nine years old clip. Um, I, I remember watching this, this sermon uh, from Christine Kane. And at, at the time I was, I was leading worship at a church in Mississippi and um, this was right out of college, and I had I had what felt like uh, I I I never had the experience of like I want to be at that place. I I I I feel purpose or calling to like this, whether it be like a certain church or a certain size, or mm. I I just I've always been obsessed with like whatever I can do to be in settings where like. I'm in the presence of God. I'm like, I'm, I am hungry for that. Um, so it could be a room of 20 or it can be a room of 20,000. I don't care. I just want that. 
And I remember feeling like I so I felt this like intense, what felt like promise, but every now and then it would it would start to feel it's it's almost like I I let a promise uh, hold too much uh, weight, mm. and so it would stress me out and it would feel really really uh, unrestful. But I remember listening to this this YouTube clip of Christine Kane. It's it's a sermon called The Dark Room. Yes. And like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to go listen to that if you're in ministry or if you're like Mm -hmm. doing your best to follow the Lord in your life. But in the sermon, she starts saying that, you know, she was speaking at Passion. And after, after, you know, it's an arena event, so many people, after the night, she said these these two girls came up to her and were like, we want to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we, how do we get there? How do we get there? And what Chris, Chris Kane shared was like, uh, she was like, what you, what you can, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So if she ever watches this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wish I knew everyone, but, um, but basically saying like, you don't understand the things done in anonymity, the things done in the, in private. She was like, I drove a van for a decade and I, nothing more. That was the way I served my local church just to take people to the church. And, and she ultimately leads to this place of saying, um, <clears throat> of saying that uh, she, she's like, I'm doing what I'm doing today, not because I'm better than anybody or not because I'm, I'm like more eloquent or have like a greater gifting on my life. She's like, I'm doing what I'm doing today because I was faithful. Mm, she's like, there were people so that were around me that were better speakers, better communicators, um, but they stopped running. They got they got uh, they got tired of contending. They got tired of like doing the hard anonymous work. Mm. And she's like, I just made a decision. I wasn't going to do that. And then at the very, I'm sorry, this is the last thing. But at the very end, she just says like, she's like, if you manipulate and work and try really hard to put yourself in a different season, she's like, uh, if you make it there, and if you if you manipulate manipulate yourself there the same amount of work that it took to Mm -hmm. get you there is what it's going to take to sustain you there Mm -hmm. um and so i think that was just so important for me to learn like lord i'm down for whatever you want to do and maybe there are people maybe there are worship leaders that feel a promise for something big later Mm -hmm. that's okay it's okay but let the lord take you there let him do the hard work because if not man you got to work your butt off to still like just to upkeep yeah. what you yeah. fabricated, what you manipulated for. Yeah. So you want to stay in his grace as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's like a natural rhythm to the way the Lord leads our life. And sometimes it takes like extended seasons of tension to like lead us into the like release that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, if you can do all you can to just not get bitter in the process. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you fight bitterness? Mm. That's a good question. Um, you know, just, let's just be super vulnerable on your podcast here, not knowing who's going to watch, but, um, I think I've been recently been in like a season of like either disappointment or like what could be bitter if, if I let it, um, currently walking through that right now and i think there's this there's this practice that i have of like actually your wife is really helping me with this 
um, kind of like asking myself uh, if frustration pops out or if, or if like a split second of like rage <laughs> happens, it's like, right. Ooh, that's, there's like, there's something deeper going on more than like the, than the, the specifics. Like there's, right. there's something going on deeper that I need to actually like figure out what this is. Um, so I, I think for me, how do I get out of like bitterness? How do I get myself out of bitterness? Man, I, I, you have to ask the Lord, like, what is going on in me that is out of balance? What, what, what am I not allowing you to be the good shepherd of? Um, <clears throat> if, if I'm frustrated, it's because um, a motive or a plan of mine um, didn't get met. And mm -hmm. like, I think we have to do the hard work of like, was that your motive? Was that your plan? Was that your heart? Or was that something that I really wanted to have happen? Right. Um, so it's like, it's a lot of like honest work, I think. Ooh. Yeah. And Ty, you lead, you lead a worship team. So how do you, as a leader, lead a team when they're not meeting your expectations? Like when there's moments that people aren't operating up to standard, how do you handle that? Cause there's a lot of people that are listening right now who are like, I have a team and they may be a volunteer team or they might be a couple staff people, but you do such a great job leading. I would love to hear how you, how you handle that. Thanks for saying that. I don't know if that's true. Um, but um, I think like when I was a little bit younger and I just started, I kind of thought that everybody would just do what I asked them to do. And it would be easy because the boss quote unquote said to, um, and then, and then when they didn't, I just looked at everybody the same, like, well, like if you didn't want to, and you didn't want to, why not? You're the same, like do it. Um, but then I, as I've matured and kind of gotten some more reps, um, realized like, well, you know what? Everybody's different and they got their own culture. They're sorry, their own background. They, they got their own thing and their own personality. Um, and so you cannot treat everybody the same. Um, we have some on our team that are like eights on the Enneagram, right? And so they're, they're challengers and they're great at that. And that's honestly what makes them really great. And I need that um, on our team. And then we have others who, who worry about things or we have others who um, are way more passive and they're not going to, they're not going to handle things the same. And so anyways, how, we, how I've tried really is to be very intentional with each person. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, tell me what's going on from your perspective and how it affects you and your life. Um, and then I've, I'm trying very hard to use um, the equity, the rapport that I have with them that I've built, but also like the, the knowledge of like their personality type, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, this is how I'm going to now talk with you. This is how I'm going to like point you in the direction that I'm trying to lead you, you know, um, for us as a worship staff, um, honestly, just a worship department, it even, even trickles down into our musicians. One of the greatest things that we fight, which is not to say there's a problem. I just think it's natural is division because we have a lot of leaders who, who want to lead and they're really good. And so of course we should listen to them, but it makes it hard when there's only one direction we can go. Right. And there's only one, one way that we're going to go. Um, and so really bringing everybody back to the why and then bringing them back to like, hey, there is blessing on the other side of unity. 
Um, we say that all the time. Let's fight for unity and not fight for our our own ideas. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can if you can meet people where they are, and like actually like get like this sounds kind of I don't know I don't I don't want it to sound elementary or like can you know I don't know. but like if when I get down on eye level with my kids, they respond so much different like they just so much differently. Like they listen to what I'm saying and I actually hear what they're saying. Um, my friends, my peers, um, the people I oversee, it's no different. We're all human. And so when you can get eye level with them and like hear, like, what are you really saying? And then listen and then speak to their, like their language, right? Speak their language and their personality. It changes things. So you get on their level, you speak their language, and then you you harp on we are going to be unified no matter what. Right now we have a big thing that's happening in our church. Um, it's great. It's actually a good good thing. There's nothing bad about it, but it's hard and it's it's asking a lot of our team. And so right now I'm having to get on everybody's level, speak their language, and then give them vision. But essentially say, hey, we're going to be unified through this, and just watch yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I I think. Like there's such a uniqueness of choosing to be united as opposed to being uh, to 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 propelling your your preference forward, you know, mm-hmm. like because a lot of us can can just lean into our preference. Um, you guys wrote a really cool record, and it's really, really awesome. Um, when you guys sit down to write a song, where what do you pull from to write a song? Is it is it coming from a service? Is it coming from a devotional time? Like where where do typically each of you find the the inspiration to write a song? Gosh, I mean, I feel like that's a that's a constant moving target. There, there's the cool thing about for any creative, you'll you'll understand this. But the the Lord knows exactly how to speak to you. Like, it's the craziest thing looking at the record we just put out. And <clears throat> on every song that I was a part of writing, I can go back and be like, oh, that was a scripture. That was a conversation. That was disappointment. That was faith. And, like, I hope that I feel that one day. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I feel like that that's constantly changing and evolving. But I, I do feel like as writers for the church, when we write a song, um, what what trumps and what goes above every experience or conversation or testimony or um, a moment in nature where the Lord speaks, what trumps all of that is the word of God. Like. Mm-hmm it has to be true. It has yeah. to, like, there has to be an absolute. Yeah. Um, so I remember there was this, uh, when we were writing the song, only you were holy. It's on our record. And I remember there being, uh, I've had these encounters with the Lord where I'm like, ah, it feels like I'm burning. It feels like I'm so alive. Um, and then we were going down a route in the writing room that I just remember thinking like, Oh, you know what people in this moment, they don't need uh, poetic language about uh, what it feels like to be electric in the presence of the Lord. They don't need that. What they need is something true 
to like hold on to, to like declare right now. Um, and so we, we took the bridge into like all blessing and honor, glory and power forever and ever. Mm. The easiest, like simplest thing. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, that if, if you're at a church and you're writing, um, the good news is you have kind of like an endless supply of yeah. your pastors are putting 20, 30 hours into a sermon yeah. every week. You have like a bank of biblical uh, information. You have pro you have proximity to so many testimonies mm. that are happening yep. in your church. Um, so many encounters with the spirit of God that that absolutely should be informing. But if you're writing for the church and you aren't going to the word of the Lord, um, it, it like it will fall flat. It just will. Um, it's that is the thing that cuts between bone and marrow. It is sharper than any two edged sword. Um, every word is beneficial for the body. And so that's what I'd say. Anything? No, I mean, I think that's so great. I think, <laughs> we used to, you know, that well, I won't say we, I'll say I, used to write songs to to try to find something that was clever, creative, make you feel something. Um, it rhymed. And I thought it was cool. And then, and then honestly, if you put really great production around it, you can polish a turd. You know, you can do it. Um, <laughs> um, Are you getting back to butt rock there or is that? Oh, like, no, no, yeah. no, no. You stop with that. Yeah. It, it's fire. Okay? Sorry. I was just asking. I was just asking. It's passion. It's passion. Um, Sorry. But. No, but I, I used to write like that and it, because it was coming from the wrong place. And that's the right. truth. I was trying to make something for myself. That's the truth of it. Um, and thank God from a lot of humble pie and some, some really hard lessons I had to learn. Um, it's not about that. And now, right, like all these songs, I'm so excited for them because they're all altars to me. Um, every single one of them um, is like an altar of like what God did or an altar of what I'm hoping and believing God's going to do. Or a season that he took me from, you know what I'm saying? Or a story of someone in our church that like God changed their life. So like, it's just different. And when you can do it from like, when you do it from that angle, when you write songs from a place of like testimony and faith and experience with God, then they really can become altars. And now, so I said earlier, like, it's like our baby is like, yes, because man, it's been a journey. We didn't just go to Nashville and sit down with some of the best writers in the world and say, give me, give me a faith anthem, you know, like, no, <laughs> these songs are coming from like heartache and they're coming from joy. They're coming from time in the dark room with mm -hmm. the Lord, you know? Um, and so that's, that's what I would just encourage anybody that's wanting to write, like, man, the clever and the, the polish and all that stuff, like it's fine. But the truth is, is the world already has enough phony and fraudulent, you know, stuff. We don't need that. We need real, we need authentic and we need, we need things that are like breathed on by the Lord, God inspired. Yes, I completely agree. And you guys did that work. It's It was fun to watch you through that process. I remember us talking about like, there's going to be, a, there's going to be a spiritual attack that comes after us to make this record. And then through the process of the entire record, it was like one thing after another, after another, you know, and it's funny to look back now at it and, and go, wow. That was so true. <laughs> My gosh. Painfully so, true. Painfully true. And thank you, Brewster, for always answering the phone. Because <laughs> good thing we don't play by the minute anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like Jackie's much better than I am at it. But um <laughs> so do you guys have a um 
do you guys have a it's I know you're not allowed to pick and it's hard to pick, but in this season of life that you're in right now, is there a song on the record that you feel most connected to? I I think back to uh I think it's it was my favorite writing experience. Um and I think that informs why I feel so attached. But the song All I Ever Wanted. Mm, I love that song. Um it just couldn't have been written out of more more disappointment. Mm. Um, you know, th- this was right at that time was the first time that I got to actually. There's a lot of backstory here, but we'll we'll skip it and just say, um, 2018 I bottomed out and I I just felt like I lost myself. I lost like my faith. I lost I, I lost the ability to even be like I love Jesus. I mm. trust Jesus. Um, and then, you know, from that moment, experiencing the presence of the Lord and being like kind of resurrected this moment, right before we wrote all I ever wanted was a major disappointment once again. Um, and, and, and I'm kind of a, just a, a canon event in my life of, uh, feeling broken. And, but this was the first opportunity I had after being, um, reintroduced to the Lord where I got to go through disappointment, but not turn my heart against him mm-hmm. and, and not get bitter and not question his character through it. So that song to me holds so much uh, backstory and so much of my my journey with the Lord, my history with the Lord in it. So I think that's someone that I, I feel most attached and love mm-hmm. most. Such a great song. Gosh, I love that song. Um, and you crush it. To not that that's you know you just take it to another level. Um, for me, not because it's one I lead, but there's no way. Just uh, that song in particular, you know, that was one of the last ones to be written for the record. We thought we had the record done, to be honest, and then um, the label called and was like, "Hey, actually, we think there's one more. We we need to figure that out." I'm like, "Okay," but here's the deal: we're starting pre-pro in like two weeks, so I don't I don't have time to fly to Nashville. Can you just do it? So here I am, I'm flying to Nashville. I, this is not normal for me, but literally, I, you know, we got up that morning super early, flew to Nashville, had two rides and flew back the same day. Um, and so it was like a real moment of, God, here you go. I don't know. And I was super nervous about the right, to be really honest. Um, but then we got to write this song out of testimony. So we sit there with Mia Fields and um, she's talking about, Hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. And for those of you who don't know, she had at that time been trying for a long, long, long time. And doctors told her it was never going to happen. And so she's like, Hey, I'm pregnant. The Lord, you know, here we are. And she goes, so we're going to write a song called there's no way today. And I was like, yep, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, but this song, as we, as, uh, we wrote it, like, it's just become a, a fabric of like who I am because I look back on my life and I'm like, whoa, this has actually been the story of my life. I I didn't realize that in the writing room. But um, the truth is, is like God has shown up so many times when I thought he was never going to show up. He has provided so many times when it looked like there was like there was going to be no provision. Um, And I've actually seen healing, like physical healing with my own eyes. Um, And I thought that that was not even possible, to be really honest. So now when I sing, like, there's no way that I'm giving up on the edge of my breakthrough. I've walked long enough to know um, that there's a grace for me right here. Um, even in the lowest low, it's like, yeah, I, I'm singing that because I've lived it. So it's probably 
one that I'm most connected with. Love that. Love that. And it is hard. It's hard to pick a song. I mean, and I've, I've hyped y'all up enough, but it's hard to pick a song off that record. So, um, I, yeah, I'm so proud of you guys again. Like I said, um, most of the, the people that are listening today, um, are probably in a, in a worship community of some kind, and hopefully they're, they're leading at their church or volunteering at their church. Uh, as we're closing up, give me like, what would be your encouragement for that person? Who's like ready to quit They're they're, they're they've done it. They're, they're frustrated. Maybe they've moved into some of that like um, bitterness zone. How would you encourage them today? Well, I have been there. Um, we get there sometimes more often than I wish I could tell you about. Um, so, I want to touch that. so what you're saying is it doesn't stop. Like everyone goes through that season, regardless of where you're at. You know why it doesn't stop? It doesn't stop because the worship leaders are on the front lines. We're on the front lines of a war. Um, when we step up and, and we start singing songs um, and praising the name of Jesus in a room of people that are walking in with all kinds of different struggles and baggage and shame and this and that. And then we have the pressures, right? Of like, of, well, we, we get paid to do this, so we want to keep our jobs, and we hope that they think we're doing a good job and all that stuff. When we step up and we do that, we're literally on the front lines of, of a spiritual battle. And so there are going to be times where you're going to be wore out. I get that. I so get that. Um, there are going to be times where you feel like you've got nothing left in your tank. I so get that. But I would just say, man, don't quit. Do not quit. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. David did that. It said that literally, it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. And so, what you got to do is you got to remind yourself of all the times that God has shown up. You got to remind yourself of all the times that you've been in the past. You thought you weren't going to make it through. You thought you wanted to quit then, but you didn't. And look, you still are here. Um, you have to remind yourself of that. And then you have to remind yourself of who is this God that you're worshiping, right? Is he a song, a lyric, something that's on a screen or goosebumps that the church you hope feels? Or is he the king, the Lord of the universe? Is he the one that literally created you, knitted you together in your mother's womb? And that's who he is. But we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes. So don't quit. Find yourself on your face and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Because with every valley, there is a mountain. There are no valleys unless there are mountains. So therefore, if you're in that valley and you feel like quitting, I get it. But look ahead. Look ahead. Look up and look ahead. I've been there so many times and um, I've just had to I've just had to remind myself. And then the other thing, too, sorry to like start preaching, but like truly um, I had this. OK, I, I have kids. So that's why I use these kids analogies. But like the other night, um, I have found myself in a funk and uh, and honestly wanted to quit and give up on a lot of things. Um, and, but that day, my son Camden, he's 10, uh, love him, but he was the worst, the absolute worst. And he just wanted to argue with me and he wanted to like, he just kept making things so much worse for himself than he needed to do, um, than they needed to be. And I remember telling him before I put him down to bed that night, Hey man, speak life, speak life. The Bible says that your mouth is like a rudder, right? So what you speak is the direction you're going to go. I didn't say that. That's what the word of God says. And I was talking to Cam about that. And I was like, shoot, dang it, God. It's like he like dropped it on me. Hey, that's for me too. That's for mm -hmm. me too. So if you are wanting to quit, don't give up. Don't give up. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Like we can say churchy things all day long, 
But let me tell you something. I have I am living proof that like the Lord will show up. But speak life. Mm-hmm. Speak life. Your tongue is a rudder. It, it it makes you go in whatever direction you're speaking. Speak life over your situation. Speak life over just where you're at and watch what the Lord does. Mm. I feel very passionately about this. Um, Tell me about it. I really, I really do because, and I, you know, um, I think at any given moment when I have been in seasons of, um, I, I, I think you can say like, uh, for me, every time I've wanted to like either quit or walk away, um, the the feeling that like if you do the work and go a little deeper, what it is is it's hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Like that that's that's what wears the human heart out. The word the word says that hope deferred makes your heart sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm passionate about this because I I got it wrong for so long, and so it would be easy to like be like. You got this. Charge the hill. And you know what? Every now and then we need it. We need that. Um, but often I think what we don't get enough of, um, especially in like the Western church world, worship leaders, if you're a worship leader or like an MD or on, on a team in general, I think what we need a little bit more of is correction. Um, and is it actually like, Hey, we, ha- we had it wrong. Um, that's what has brought me back to life. Um, so I, I think a, a lot of times we get so exhausted because the goal wasn't him. Mm-hmm. We get exhausted because we get up on stages and we we use language that it sounds noble and, it's, and it sounds good. Um, it sounds like we have a good heart. But at the end of the day, we weren't there for him. We weren't there to hear from him. We weren't there to meet with the Lord. We were there to feel better about ourselves. Um, we were there to impress a room or to get accolades. And I know that sounds harsh. Like, hear me, hear me, hear me. I like me hearing that at the wrong time would have crushed me. Mm-hmm. So like if you're if you're weary, like I'm not coming down. I'm not like trying to like punch um at your lowest point. But what I am saying is like, I think um, a lot the same that I think about bitterness, like it's easy. It's so easy to get tired and to get hopeless and to get judgy and to say like, well, if this was different and if they did it that way and if they'd give me more time or if I had, it's easy to pass the buck and say like, it's that, it's that that's wearing me out. When in reality, I think a lot of times worship leaders we forget that like, I know that we're all, we're, we're, we're guys. So this language can feel sometimes a little strange, but we forget that we're the bride of Christ, that yeah. he is the bridegroom. And how weird is it that worship leaders get exhausted because they forget, they don't even recognize when the bridegroom walked. Like it's so, it's so weird. What if like a wife forgot what her husband looked like or what it felt like when her husband was in the same room as her? That's so strange. So like, I, I think, I'm passionate about this because I think uh, oftentimes we're reaping the reward. We're reaping the correct reward for self-worship. Mm. Like it is exhausting. We weren't built for glory. We're, yeah. we're not built for that. Our bodies can't hold it. 
And so I, I think, man, my biggest encouragement that I have is like, like see the Lord. He's the Prince of Peace. How could we burn out if we're loving and are therefore the Prince of Peace? That doesn't make any sense. That's not logical. If we're burnt out, I like my biggest encouragement is like, look in and say what David said, like, Lord, reveal in me anything that is off, anything that is not online with your heart. Reveal what is actually exhausting to me. I have a feeling what I've, what I've observed in myself and also our culture as a, as a broad spectrum. What I've seen is I've seen a lot of people hungry for fame yeah. and a lot of people hungry for um, for influence and a lot of people hungry to be seen as like this like incredible charismatic leader um, but man I think I think what we need as a, as a culture and as worship leaders and worship teams I think what we need is a hunger for the Lord yeah. and that will fulfill you every time and it doesn't matter the style of your church like no. you can be the most charismatic church in the world you can be the least charismatic church in the world it the hunger for God is is the compass. Yeah, well, I've even yeah. seen in me. Like I know I'm talking a lot about this. Again, I'm passionate, so shut me up when it when it's right. <laughs> um, but I've even I, I even started seeing seeing it in 2020 when we were we were leading in empty rooms, and there was this strange time in worship culture history where people were like looking at a camera, like get up off your couch, like raise your hand. And it was, like, <laughs> it was honestly, it was, it was like, it, it didn't feel gross. It, it felt like, how can we pastor our people? Yeah. Right. But I think what the Lord was doing was showing us like a lot of us got like missed the mark. A lot of us walk into worship sets thinking like my goal and my job today is to get you from A to B. Um, that sounds good. But it's off. It's not biblical. Like the the job of a worship leader is to host and bless the Lord and invite people into the presence of the Lord. If he's not the focal point, if you go down the, that road, if you go all the way down it, the reality is I'm worshiping your response. If my goal is to get you from A to B, then when you get to B, when you encounter the Lord, then I think I did a good job. Right. Like that was all him. He came in the room. Right. And so like. I, I just feel, oh, I feel so, so intense about it. Like, man, he has to be the number one. He has to be the goal. He is not a goal. He is the goal. And that, I think, will solve a lot of people's burnout experience, bitter experience. So good. So good. Guys, thank you for today. Thank you for writing these songs. I know they're helping a lot of people. I get a lot of texts about the influence that you guys have over over other worship leaders and other congregations that you never may see feel or experience but thank you for doing the work and um, being willing to to be vulnerable and share on these songs um what what's happening at red rocks church and then what can also transition to some other churches so thanks for your time thank you we love you